Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, 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 hey. And welcome in. It is a football Friday. Here on the game, welcome into the extra point. Football. He's Colin Taylor, Tyler Head. We football. made it into the week, buddy. We're here. It's football weekend. You get a little like pep in your step when you know that. Now, granted, you and I have to work tomorrow, but you get a little pep in your step when you realize you get to wake up, watch college game day tomorrow. Should be a fun one. Yeah, and like roll into just an absolutely weird noon slate of games. And then watch college football all day. Basically. Yeah, there there could be there are worse jobs out there. Yes, could be digging ditches, right? Yes, which I would not be good at. No, I'd be terrible at it. I'm not a manual labor man. Not a manual labor man. So yeah, excited. I feels like it's been a long week. Um, which obviously we didn't have Monday off. Hopefully, a lot of people <laughs> out there did. But. And like weeks after losses, when you're. Yeah, yeah, it's not not the most fun stuff to talk about, and. Obviously, we've dove so deep into the woes of the offensive line and, right. you know, trouble stopping the run. And that's the tricky thing about a game like Furman. It's like you're not going to come away from this game, no matter how it goes. You go out there and win 81 to nothing. Like right. Oregon nearly did last week, but you're not going to say, wow, we fixed all of our problems and we're going to be great going forward. It's like, no, that's kind of how you're supposed to beat a team like that, and we still don't know what it's going to look like against Georgia next week. Right. It's a it's a weird, sleepy part of the schedule, and that's no, again, we are not hashtag disrespecting the Dens. Okay, I learned what a Paladin was this morning. You did not know what a Paladin was? I did not know what this? a Paladin was. I thought it was like a dog or something, right? Oh, man. And Bill and Preston were talking about it when I was driving in. It's like a knight. I did not know this. Was this before or after the you-know-what? comments about corn uh it was like in between because okay. they touched on it again but <laughs> that's the wrong I guess, verb. I that's they, the wrong verb to use yeah <laughs> okay yeah that was bad <laughs> that's the wrong um, verb they t- they talked about it multiple times but uh, in the eight o'clock hour they did talk about paladins which for, i don't know why i thought it was a dog of some sort Mm-mm. but apparently it's a knight yeah, it's it's a version of a knight, yes. Okay. Like a mythical version of a knight almost. Okay. Um well now I know. And I don't know why I thought it was a dog, but now it's it's not a dog. No, not a dog in any way, shape, or form. So you learn something new every day. They're very uh prevalent in like D and D and stuff. Let me Okay. I have never played D and D. I've played it once and my brother's really into it. So I'm gonna get get his opinion. How cool are Paladins. It was like from uh, like medieval times, I guess. Yeah, kind of okay. similar to that. I see. Well, now I know. But like, because the logo on their helmet is just the F with the little like star-ish yep. design thing. There's like no imagery of a knight that I'm aware of, at least. 
Yeah, no, I'm I'm working I'm working the phones right now to, okay. to well, figure to <laughs> figure out the the complexity of a paladin. Well, anyway, back to the main point. You're not gonna come away from this game feeling like you fixed everything. No, you are not. If anything, you come away from it feeling confident, I, I guess. If you go out there and you do your job, especially in the offensive line, don't give up any sacks, or maybe you only give up one sack, and you say, wow, that's a whole lot better than last week, and if nothing else, that gives you at least a little bit more, you said, pep in your step mm. um, heading into what's going to be a very tough <laughs> week next yeah. week. Yeah, and it dominates probably the wrong word, but you have to control that game from the jump, I think, if you're South Carolina. Control it from the jump. D- the, st- the stats have to bear it out. But it also kind of has to pass the eye test, too. And a win is a win. Do not get me wrong. But you kind of have to pass the eye test with it, too. Like we were talking yesterday before we went on air. You look at the Georgia game, and it was, what, 48-7 to or something like that? Yeah. But in reality, did that tell the full story? No. No. You need to look at that game and go, oh, it was 49-17. to And, yeah, South Carolina controlled that game from the jump. Furman got so many touchdowns. It'll be done. Do I think it'll happen? Yeah, like, I don't know. But if you're South Carolina, I feel like you really have to feel like you went out there and dictated tempo, dictated physicality, and and jumped out to a pretty good lead. Exactly. And again, coming up tomorrow night, seven or 7.30 kick, which you can listen to right here on the game. Rain is getting increasingly yes. more likely as this day goes along. So that could kind of throw a wrench in the plans a little bit if you're suddenly playing in... <laughs> I don't think it's going to be a monsoon necessarily, but wet conditions where you're more uh, likely to run the ball, which, again, was a struggle a week ago. Um, But maybe if your hand is forced and this is a situation where you just try and run it and see how good you are. Yeah, I mean, you're probably going to have to run it at some point this week and not do run replacements. Like You're going to have to find a way to just hand the ball off and gain four or five yards a pop on a drive or two. If you are South Carolina, um, I'm looking at the weather percentages. 65% chance at six okay. tomorrow. 59% chance at seven. 42% chance at eight. 55% chance at nine. 59% chance at 10. And a 68% chance at 11. So a pretty consistent chance of yes. rain through what would be game time. Yes, yes. While you are playing that game, it will likely be either consistent rain or off and on rain showers throughout the day. And having lived in the South my whole life, that means it's either going to rain a lot or it's not going to rain at all. Yes, very much so, which is how it always is. I got a, um, I got an explanation on paladins. Okay, what did he say? So this is how the conversation went. All how right. cool are paladins? Give me a rundown of what they are. The response is, in what context? All right. Which I responded, what do you mean? And he said, like paladins in general... And I said, yes. And he goes, they're people who make an oath and generally gain divine or magical powers because of it. They are generally rule followers. Imagine a hall monitor that can kick the dump button out of you. All right. That's a very good description. (laughs) I could see why you'd want that as like a mascot for your team then. I get it. Yes. So the... Uh, Gamecocks versus the blank kicking yeah. <laughs> uh, Hall Knights. monitor Hall palette. monitor Knights. <laughs> yes. So 
do with that information what you will, but I feel like we did good journalism today. Yeah, again, I had no clue. I just learned that driving and listening to Bill and Preston, so now I know. So tomorrow, when Furman's in Williams-Brice Stadium, I will know what their mascot is representing. <laughs> when, now, I don't know if When the night like runs a, out onto the field, you're like, why is that a night? Exactly. I'd be like, I would have so many questions. I'd be like, is, like where's the dog? You know what I mean? But now I'm, now I'm aware. Yes. We, learned, we learned something today. Thank you, Bradley Taylor, for uh, hooking us up. This this Furman team is very experienced, returning 18 of their 22 starters from the year ago. Their quarterback, Tyler Huff, who we talked about his little bit of trash talking, throwing barbs at South Carolina, which I understand. And they're in a position, they're playing with house money, essentially. Like, yeah. they're, everybody expects them to come in here and, you know, get beat by 40 points. And if they do anything better than that, well, then congratulations. Um, but he's a fifth-year player. Played at Presbyterian before he came to Furman. So these guys have played a lot of football. Yes. And when you talk about, and I know Pete Limbo talked about it the other day when we played his clip, when you talk about the difference between players at the FCS level and players at the FBS, FBS level, you watch a game, and um, it might be these guys at the FCS level are like two steps slower, or maybe they're like two to three inches shorter, or whatever it may be. Right. But like, it's not that far of a drop off from one level to the other. And as we've seen in the past decade or so, you know, years and years ago, FCS teams always got shellacked, no matter who the Power 5 or or FBS team was. And now that gap has shrunk quite a bit. And a lot of that has to do with transfer portal. You look on any FCS team, there's guaranteed to be at least a handful of guys from Power 5 programs that just didn't get their playing opportunities or whatever it may be. And, um, you know, these games are more worrisome than they were in years past. Yes, and to—it's one of those things where a lot of these guys, for the most part, grew up in the area. Yes. Where you're talking about guys from South Carolina, from Georgia, from North Carolina, wherever, who wanted to go to a big state school like Mm -hmm. South Carolina, like Clemson, like Georgia, and all those places. And I don't like doing the chip-on-your-shoulder thing, but— there's a chip there that, you know, they want to prove that they were good enough to go to those places. And um, does it typically go well sometimes? No. But this is a group that is older, and if we're ranking teams you probably did not want to play for South Carolina from an FCS level, Furman would be up near the top of it, especially from a the regionality of it. Like, you're do- you don't want to play this team coming off that loss. And do I think South Carolina wins? Yes. But it is. I I would not be shocked if it was close in the first quarter, first half, and South Carolina pulled away late. Uh, we'll get to our like score predictions at the yeah. end of the show, but what is the point differential? Like, What's the line of the point differential where you say, okay, I feel pretty comfortable about that. That's how they should have handled that. 28? That much? 21? That much? Yeah, like... Yeah? Now, again... It, all 21-point wins are not created equal. Sure. Because South Carolina beat Georgia State last year by, I believe, I believe 21. 35-14. Yeah. Yep. That that was not a 21-point game. No. That was a game where you struggled for consistency at times. You blocked two punts, I believe, for touchdowns or that led to touchdowns. You were able to swing the game with some stuff, and, and you won by 21, but um, that game felt a lot closer mm-hmm. than 21 points. I think... If you're South Carolina and you win 35-14 now, but you're up 28 to nothing, mm-hmm. and then they get two scores late and you end up tacking on a touchdown, 
that's different. That's a different 35-14 than what you went through against Georgia State. I think, again, I go back to the eye test, and I know I'm such a numbers guy, but you you have to look at the stats and say, yes, yeah, South Carolina, for the most part, dictated that game, but they also looked cohesive. They looked like they were clicking from the jump because you cannot, you can't really let this team hang around, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, and they might. I mean, this is an experienced team that's going to come in here and not be bright-eyed or bushy-tailed about it. Like, this is... This is an experienced team, and, and you can't, like we talked about, those first five or six drives of the game are really, really important if you're South Carolina to go out there and just assert yourself and assert yourself as the better team. And good teams tend to put these games away early. Find a way to do that. Right. Um, we'll get back into the specifics of this game. Let's hear a little bit about what Shane Beamer had to say on Carolina calls last night. But coming up, uh, did get some news yesterday involving men's basketball and what their conference of games is going to look like in 2023 and 2024. We'll hit that coming up. You are listening to In the Bonus. He is Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head here on The Game. Welcome back in. In the bonus, Con Taylor Tyler Head here on the game on your Friday morning. Looking pretty nice outside right now, but rains are to come this weekend. Hopefully, we stay dry for tomorrow night's game. But would be nice. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, we'll certainly get we'll back. We'll be in the press box. That's fine. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, we'll certainly get back into college football uh, here coming up in just a minute. But do want to hit on this uh, news coming out yesterday. Uh, learning. South Carolina basketball's SEC slate for the upcoming season. Of course, we learned their non-conference slate several weeks back. Uh, funny enough, the the SEC slate is a Mississippi State sandwich. So you start <laughs> yes. with Mississippi State at home, you end with them on the road, and then uh, everything else in between is uh, a mix of everybody else. Ooh, buddy, and it's not. Um, it ain't easy. I think. The SEC, the fact that they have funneled a ton of money, now TV money has a lot to do with it and being able to have as much, you know, athletic departments have more money taking basketball a little more seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, or really over the last decade, decade plus, it's a, it's oh, this league, man. I know that's like the joke part of it, but like this league is really, really good. <laughs> and it's a very, very tough schedule if you're South Carolina. Seven of your first eight are against teams that made the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. I guess that would be four four games at home, four on the road, and you get three games against teams that made the Sweet 16 last year, two against, two, two against teams that made the Elite Eight. That's not easy. Yeah, and that first road trip, uh, January 9th, that'll be a Tuesday going to Alabama, obviously a team that you played very close uh, last year here at home in what was one of the more entertaining games the entire season coming up just short. But like you said, Alabama going on a good tournament run, obviously a great team a year ago. Uh, that's a heck of a way to start your road schedule in the SEC. Yeah, your your road game, your first three road games are at Alabama, at Missouri, at Arkansas. Then you go to Tennessee um, with games against Missouri, Kentucky, Mississippi State in there. I would like to say the back half lightens, but... You're talking about having to play Texas A&M, which finished with 25 wins last year. You got to play Ole Miss, which got better. You got to go to Auburn, an NCAA tournament team. You got to play Florida, who got better. So there's a lot 
there's a lot of, of stumbling blocks if you're South Carolina. Now, you did get better. I would think I think South Carolina vehemently got better over the offseason. Guys that fit Lamont Paris's style, but now um, it's going to be really interesting to see how they handle it. One thing I will say, too, and in, in talking to someone around the program, this is not a team that will get wide-eyed mm-hmm. going into these places. Um, Stephen Clark played at Duke. Um, BJ Mack has gone in and played at A&M. Beat, was part of a Wofford team that beat A&M last year um, in College Station. You know, Talon Cooper has played in the Big Ten. Um, Miles Studi's played in the SEC. These these older guys that you brought in and brought back, they're not blinking when they're going to Bama, to Missouri, to Arkansas. You know, now it's just about having enough talent and enough depth to, to beat those teams, but I don't think you're going to lose because you're getting gassed up or something like that going into a, a really, really hostile environment. The season as a whole gets kicked off on Monday, November the 6th, taking on USC Upstate. Uh, and we talked about this before we went on this morning. You know, it's a relatively light uh, non-conference schedule. Do take on a couple significant names, Notre Dame and the ACC-SEC Challenge against C. Virginia Tech, see Clemson as you always do. But for the most part, you know, Charleston Southern, Winthrop, uh, DePaul, like eh, not the most difficult um you know, non-conference slate before you get into SEC games, which that's by design. And I feel like uh, Lamont Paris kind of knows what he's doing there where, you know, he had the opportunity to ride a a good wave of momentum, hopefully into conference play, where again, you're going to be playing tough games night in and night out. You know, we talk about this game for South Carolina football coming up this weekend against Furman. You have a lot of confidence builder games in those first uh, two months of the season before you start SEC play. Yeah, and I I think it's a good mix. Now, the average, so, Tyler, this might shock you. You have a spreadsheet? I have a spreadsheet to track last year. So, different rosters, the transfer portal, all that. Take that for what you will. Um, the 2023 average Ken Palm rating of these teams was 207.1. Mm-hmm. The average net ranking was 211.8. And we determined, was it 363 Division One schools? Uh, let me double check that. But I believe... Last year, there were 363, yes. So the average is well into the lower half. Yes. I think it's a good mix. You get those, what you call buy games, which aren't guarantees, but when you pay, those are the ones you're, they're more than likely to just go out there and win. Yes. But you also mix in Virginia Tech at a neutral site, which is fun. That's a good gauge. That's game two. It's a mm-hmm. good gauge early. You get, you know, DePaul and then either San Francisco or Grand Canyon in there. You get Notre Dame, which Notre Dame's not projected to be great this year in year one under you know Micah Shrewsbury. You get a George Washington team at home that beat you last year. But you go, there's a stretch in there from November 28th to December 9th of a four-game stretch that I think will be really telling about this team. Because you go home to Notre Dame, home to George Washington, which beat you last year and is expected to be pretty, I guess, solid this year, at Clemson, at ECU. So there's some, I think you're going to know a lot, and then you end with Charleston Southern, Winthrop, Elon, and Florida A&M. So you get a little bit of what should be, looking at the schedule and what last year last year was, kind of a get-right right. stretch well, from December for two weeks before going into this gauntlet of SEC play. And you mentioned all the guys that came in in the transfer portal 
Clark, uh, you know, and guys like that. Um, this team's look so much going to look so much different this year, right? Y- yeah, you have the pieces, you know, that carry over from a year ago. Michi Johnson, Gray, guys like that, but you bring in so much talent from various parts of the country. Like, I'm excited to see what this team is going to look like, but it's kind of going to be one of those things. Like, I don't know if we're really going to have a gauge of how good they are until we get into conference play. Yeah, that's fair. And I think the staff is very pleased with what they've seen since getting these guys on campus. Last year, they didn't pick up their first portal commitment until mid-May. Mm-hmm. At I'm, I'm Googling it. It was Hayden Brown. But they didn't pick up their first commitment until, I mean, middle of May. I'm looking at it now. Maybe late April. I mean, you're talking about really late in the process when you consider all when all things are considered um yeah it's it, night and day they've been on campus for a while their last piece last year wasn't added until end of july in gg jackson i think you're going to be a more balanced team i think you're going to be incredibly experienced when you talk about your top eight guys are probably going to be jacoby wright michi johnson miles studi bj max stephen clark um Maybe throw Colin Murray Boyles in there. Um, but I'm trying to go through my head. Josh Gray, Ebo, you know, Ibrahim e- Adiba, like all these guys have played a good chunk of basketball together outside of Kurt, Colin Murray Boyles. They're older. I think you know what you get with those guys a little bit more day to day compared to in years past. So, yeah, they, this, the staff is pleased with what they have. Now it's just about going out there, improving it on the court and, um, that Bahamas trip, I think, really helped them understand what they have, what they're working with, and just bond. And we'll see how that plays into this first few free, few weeks of the season and, and knowing what you kind of have. Absolutely. Again, the uh, SEC slate getting revealed for South Carolina yesterday, starting uh, with a home game against Mississippi State coming up on January the 6th and hitting the road for the first time going against Alabama on Tuesday, January the 9th. Uh, Coach Beamer spoke last night on Carolina calls ahead of tomorrow night's game against Furman. Detail the injury report. Let's we'll hear what he had to say about who is playing and who's not for tomorrow night. Coming up, you're listening to In the Bonus. He's Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head here on the game. Welcome back in. In the bonus. Colin Taylor, Tyler Head along with you on this Friday morning, football Friday, getting you set for South Carolina's game against Furman coming up tomorrow night, 7.30, right here on the game. Pre-game coverage will kick off with Myself and Terry Ford hosting Gamecocks Game Day live out at Sound and Images just outside of williams Bryce Stadium from 2.30 until 4.30. And then the network coverage will kick in at 4.30, which you can also listen to on our affiliate out in Myrtle Beach, 100.3 The Game. And, of course, kickoff coming up at 7.30 here on The Game. And it will actually be a 7.30 kickoff, not like the 7.45 when we had last week. Oh, thank God. Thank every being at ESPN. Outside of the, we understand this inconvenience is unfair to our customers. No, we're looking at above the thing. But well, thank- hey, they're on our side. Every- <laughs> they're, they're, the, the mouse is the evil one, not them. No, we're the good guys. Yeah, we're, we're the we're, good. We're trying. <laughs> we're the good guys here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, thank, thank the Lord and every being that was responsible for making this a true 730 kickoff. Because while 15 minutes might not seem like a lot, in the grand scheme of things... Makes a big difference. It makes a big difference. Trust me. 
Uh, something else that makes a big difference is having your key players available for any game, really. Uh, last night on Carolina Calls, Coach Beamer did detail the latest on the injury report. Here's what he had to say. What happened, uh, but you know, credit to the guys that came in and overcame it. As far as uh, this week, Marquis Anderson will be out. He won't play. Nicky Minwari will be out. He won't play. JT Gear is out. He won't play. David Spalding is out. He won't play. And Kaysen Henry is out. He won't play. I think he'll be okay. Uh, you know, I, I hurt for Nick because he wanted so badly to go back in that game last Saturday. I mean, it hurt him not to be physically, but then to not be able to go back in the game just emotionally because he's such a competitor. He worked really hard this week, and you're right, the hamstrings are things that can certainly linger. We don't want that to happen. We're optimistic that he'll be uh, ready to go happened to him how's Mo doing how's his spirits he's uh struggling as you can imagine um and I hurt for the kid you're exactly right uh he loves football I uh, put so much into last season and then had it taken away after two, uh, uh, uh two games um and then last and then to go through the whole spring and summer like he did uh, was enjoying being out on the field always had a smile on his face and then uh to be I think he played four plays and to get hurt again, tough deal. But uh, need game cognition to certainly keep him in their prayers and, and wrap their arms around him. He's a fantastic young man, but he's certainly struggling right now, as you can imagine he would be. Okay, so that was kind of a mix there. Gave the injury report. Then he talked about Nicky Minori specifically in that last bit there, uh, talking about, obviously, Mo Caba, who is out for the season with the injury that he suffered in Week 1 against North Carolina. But to kind of recap here, Marky Anderson out on the offensive line. Imanori also out. Gear out, Spalding out, and then Kaysen Henry out, which we know that that injury is going to keep him out of action for at least a month, according to what uh, what Coach Beamer has said so far. Nick Imanori is obviously the biggest name on this list, and, and this makes perfect sense to me because while, yes, you would love to have your star, one of your star players on defense out of the field as much as possible, this is a game that you should theoretically be able to win without him, and you want him rested up as best as he can be or the tough onslaught you have starting next week. Mm, I have a problem with your microphone there. Oop. Okay. Uh, trying to figure out what's wrong with Colin's microphone. But anyways, uh, as we're talking about the um, schedule or the uh, injury report, makes sense. From the standpoint of Nicky Minwari uh, being out, um, because again, he's somebody that is a key part of your defense, but you feel like you can be okay without him. The the, the this in turn is interesting to me because um, Juice Wells was not included on that injury report, and he is somebody that uh, last week was also nicked up a little bit, and. Um, you also feel like you can probably win this game without him contributing, uh, especially with how good Xavier Leggett, um, you know, played a week ago. Um, but he's going to go apparently, and he's told the uh, coaching staff that he's good to go. Um, but you know, we'll see how involved they get him in all of this. Um, but as far as we know, Juice Wells should be good to go for tomorrow night, and we will. Uh, We'll see what happens there. Colin, you got me now? No? Still working on it. Don't don't know what the problem is there with Colin, but we're 
working to uh working to get her back in here. We'll get her back in here in uh in just a moment here. Um but again, just kind of looking at the rest of the injury report. Uh Marquis Anderson out. He's somebody that as far as the offensive line goes, you felt like you might have the opportunity to get a lot of these young guys in. Not going to be able to play. And then uh Case and Henry again, somebody that you were hoping was going to be a big part of this offense. Um uh we're good. We're good. Uh, just kind of detailing the injury report from uh, yesterday from Coach Beamer on Carolina College. You heard him talk about Nikki Minori uh, being out for tomorrow, which was kind of expected. Of course, went down with that early injury against North Carolina. Tried to come back. Wasn't a go. Uh, again, this is a game that you feel like you can win without him, which makes it interesting that Juice Wells was not included in that report because yep. you would maybe want to err on the side of the caution, especially with how well... Leggett played last weekend, um, but apparently Juice is going to be a go and Nick's not. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how many snaps Juice gets. Yeah. And if it's, I don't know if South Carolina, you're doing him a service. I know if Juice wants to play, but at some point maybe it's like, hey, get 15 to 20 snaps in, get that, you know, whatever it is right, and just, Kind of knock off some of that rust, so when we go down to Georgia next week, you're ready and and raring to go. Well, the the concern with somebody like him is it it was something the lower body right. going on with Juice, and that's something that can be can, aggravated through non contact. Right. You're just yeah. running, just running around. Yes, yeah. Um, which is why I think yeah, like at some point Juice has to get back out there. Like sure. he's going to be healthy. He's back out there. It's just a matter of hey, do we want to ease him back into it and. And if you're going to ease him back into it, again, no disrespect to, to Furman, but when you look at the these four games that you have after North Carolina, this is probably the best game to just say, hey, listen, you know, if we need you, you're going to play 40 snaps, but if we don't, let's just get you out there for a couple series. Right. If we're up big, hey, reel it back in. We don't need you out there running 15 routes and cutting and doing all that for the course of a game. And risking re-aggravating it again. Right. Let's just get you to a point where you feel good, you feel confident, and then we get you off the field, and then you're ready to go for Georgia. We'll continue to hear more from Coach Beamer uh, from last night on Carolina Calls as the morning goes along, but we'll hit some picks coming up here as we look ahead to the rest of the weekend in college football here on In the Bonus. He's Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head on the game. Football Friday. Sponsored by Brian's Heating and Cooling. On your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia. 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach. And 100.5 The Game in Florence. Okay, uh, welcome back in. Sorry about that. Uh, in the bonus, he's Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head here on a Football Friday, getting you set for uh, South Carolina and 
Furman coming out tomorrow night, 7.30, uh, which you can listen to right here on the game. First home game in Williams-Brice Stadium since uh, Tennessee came to town last weekend. But a lot of uh, good games going on around college football this weekend and some games that are maybe a little bit more off the radar. Now we do our picks for Gamecock Central each and every week. And, Colin, you, you dug out some pretty interesting games this time around. I am one of those guys that likes the the whole hog. Yes. We're not going just P5s here. We got we got a little bit of everything. I literally, when I make picking the games to pick, I tally how many conference, like how many teams from each conference I pick so I can spread it out to where you got to know the sport if you want to win this picks challenge. Yes. You got to know the sport. So I feel pretty good. We got this will be on our picks thing. James yes. Madison, Virginia, Nebraska, Colorado will miss Tulane, Texas A&M, Miami, Iowa, Iowa State. The big one, obviously, Texas, Alabama, Wisconsin, Washington State, Oklahoma State, and Arizona State. So the Nebraska-Colorado game is really interesting to me because it's like, okay, we got almost kind of both ends of the spectrum last week with Colorado going on the road to TCU, three touchdown underdog. Nobody was expecting a whole lot out of them, and they go out there and surprise a lot of people, obviously, win the game 45-42 and kind of make a statement of like, yeah, we're – you would think going to be something this season. On the other side of things, you have this Nebraska-Minnesota game last week that set football back, you know, 100 years, and it was sloppy, and it was slow-paced, and it was ugly. And then, you know, um, for for those watching from a local perspective, uh, Marcus Satterfield's offense didn't exactly set the world on fire in his week one uh, debut out there with, uh, with Nebraska. So this is an interesting kind of polar opposite matchup you have here with the Cornhuskers and the Buffaloes. Yeah, absolutely, and... One where if Nebraska, I think Nebraska is going to try to ball control this thing and not give Colorado a ton of chances to try to win this game. And Colorado, not a great defense. I think that's pretty fair when they're not forcing turnovers. Uh, so one of those things where if you ball control it, maybe you try to limit the number of possessions. And then if you're Nebraska, hope that it's 24-20 and, and you got a chance to win that thing late. Because uh, it'll be uh, it'll be tough because they're the top in town on that Colorado team is really doggone good. Absolutely, and of course the game of the weekend, Alabama and Texas out there in Tuscaloosa. That's where game day will be tomorrow. That'll be the seven o'clock game on ESPN. A lot of focus going in to this game, and rightfully so. It's it's one of the better matchups of we think going to be of the entire season, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll see if Texas is uh, is truly back or not. There you go. Right. Horns up, horns down, take your pick. What did you pick for this one? I'm looking uh, at it right now. So I went with Alabama. I think I Alabama well. is going to make a statement themselves from a defensive standpoint and uh, silence the Texas hype. I did as well. Um, I don't want to spoil all of them because I want you guys to read our story that will come out over the course of the maybe um, maybe the next noon. I think noon is what I'm going to schedule this thing for. Okay. I know your, uh, your deadline to submit this was 10 a.m. this yes, morning. Yes, we're waiting on one more person to submit picks. Um, but I want I want your gauge on one more. Okay. you picked Colorado over – or you picked Tulane. I appreciate I you yes. on, on my end. But you picked Colorado. So far, I'm the only person to pick Nebraska. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, you were the only person to pick Duke, and that worked out kind of well And Wyoming. You. So Yeah. Now, the thing about this is it's obviously two programs that are both kind of starting over. Yep. With you know Scott Frost getting fired last year, bringing Matt Rule, Satterfield's an offensive coordinator, and like uh, they did not attack the transfer portal nearly to, nearly to the degree that 
Colorado did. And again, we only have one game sample sizes to go, go off both these teams. Now, there are concerns with Colorado's defense, certainly, and you feel like Nebraska's defense is definitely better. But from an offensive standpoint, Colorado is, seems mm-hmm. to be light years ahead of where Nebraska is. Yeah, it's just that top-end talent. I don't know if I think Nebraska might have a little bit more depth, but just when you talk about top-end game-changer talent, Colorado has it, and that probably gives them a chance in, in more games. And Sean Lewis is a really good play caller, like a really, really good offensive coordinator. Now, how do we see this game going tomorrow night in williams Bryce Stadium, South Carolina, and Furman? I picked South Carolina to win. I would hope so. By multiple scores. Okay. Get into the 30s. I do not want to spoil it. That's fine. I have it at... I have South Carolina scoring 31 points in this game and Furman okay. scoring not 31 points. I am in the same neighborhood around 31. I went with 34. Yep. Um, I probably have it a little bit closer than you do. Yes, I by four think, points. Huh? By four points. Okay. Uh, yeah, so we're thinking in the same neighborhood here. I just think we talked about the veteran experience of this Furman team. Um, the fact that, you know, they return 18, they're 22 starters. You know, we, we got to take into account... The clock rules here, if they're able to run the ball at any kind of decent clip, um, you can certainly drain that clock quite a bit. And I just feel like this is one of those games that has the opportunity to be like that one-score game at like halftime. Yeah. Firm comes out in the second half, still in it. I do think South Carolina's talent ends up winning out in the very end. They're able to pull away with an extra touchdown or two in the very end. But I feel like this is a game that you might be sweating for about you know two-and-a-half-ish to three-quarters. I agree. I agree. I think at some point the bigger, faster, stronger team wins, and that is South Carolina. Yeah, and and again, at the end of the day, you just want to feel better coming out of this game, getting you set for for Georgia. Um, you don't want to feel worse. No, because yeah, you, you have an opportunity to feel worse if you play as bad or bad as you did the week before. If you know Furman racks up eight sacks, then it's like, man, we really got a problem here. Yeah, that that's dominate statistically, dominate on the eye test. Do you want to do the fun one now? Sure. So Tyler and I polled our wives, who understand sports, know sports, but do not obviously follow it as closely as we do. Yes. Um, And we got their picks for these games. Yes. And I'd like to start with the South Carolina Furman game. Okay. Michaela Taylor, love of my life, Mm -hmm. picked South Carolina 35, Furman 31. Okay. After I explained the situation to her, she's still stuck with 35-31. Now, I did not ask my wife for a score prediction. Okay. But we're just going with South Carolina. Okay. Virginia, James Madison, what'd they get? Uh, went UVA. Mike, Michaela did as well. My brother also said he believes James Madison are the James Madisons and Virginia are, is the Tigers. Okay. Uh, she thought the Madison was men in suits and <laughs> what'd she say? UVA Bobcats, I think. I respect that. Um, Michaela picked Nebraska. Okay. Uh, Colorado. Okay. Um, my brother said Nebraska were the Lions and Colorado were the Hulk Maniacs. Sure. Uh, Michaela picked Ole Miss. Also Ole Miss. Michaela picked Texas A&M. Also A&M. Michaela picked Iowa. Ooh, uh, Iowa State. Michaela picked it and said, go corn people. Uh, yeah, my wife also thought Iowa was the corn huskers. She believed, okay. she was thinking corn huskers. Uh-huh. Um, and that Michaela picked Alabama. Okay. The Peyton pick Alabama. Also Alabama. Wisconsin. Uh, no, Wazoo. Ooh, and Michaela picked Oklahoma State because she has an Oklahoma State shirt that I bought her. Uh, she picked uh, Arizona State, which she thought was the Razorbacks. I told her they were the Sun Devils. Um, That's okay. Mascot names that my 
brother gave me. Iowa is the Sharks, and Iowa State are the bigger Sharks. Those were the two best ones that he gave me. Fantastic. That'll do it for today's edition of In the Bonus. We'll be back on Monday for Reaction Monday.